Ronananian. It's all about airflow. And in an engine, which is just a big air pump, the piece that is really where the airflow starts is the cam is the heart and soul of the engine. The car doctor. I was going to pull both battery cables and let them sit for a while and That's... put it back on, but I was afraid I might cause other problems. And I thought, well, I'm going to call the car doctor and see what he says. Listen, there's, there's a rule around the shop. The car's already broken. How much worse can it be? Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Ania, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, where's the kaboom? There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. Here's Ronnie. Start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Indy, the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. The car doctor's 24-7 phone number is open live. 855-560-9900. Keep in mind, if you're calling during off-show hours, we're here Saturday 2 to 4 p.m. East Coast time. You can call and leave a message. Executive producer, chief cook and bottle washer Tom Ray will call you back and put you in queue for the next live broadcast. I was going over a recent article real quick. Um, this is from early in February, earlier in the month. Um, Tesla and other electric car batteries lose 40% of their range in extremely cold weather. Hey, no kidding. Like, you know, we, we thought about that. So what they're saying is no electric vehicles in Alaska, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Chicago, New Jersey, Wisconsin, uh, you know, it's, um, let's see, so, you know, where will they be? Florida. Perfect. Who wants to go to Florida anyway? We fly down there, Disney, we get in, we get out. Poor Florida. They don't know what they're up for. Um, everybody in an electric vehicle. There was a, um, I stopped at the at the deli this morning for something, and there was an electric Mercedes. I think, I'll put it to you this way, if it wasn't an electric Mercedes, that was a sick car. Because that thing had a whine and a buzz to it. It sounded like, it sounded like an electric vehicle to me. And I couldn't see the back of it to the, you know, see the designation, but I don't know. There's just something about driving an electric vehicle that just, I don't know, it's just, it's it's not sexy or something. There's just, it's like, oof. Um, and it's got to be, we'll, I'll go to the calls in a minute. My friend Tim, you know, my friend Tim over, over at the Nissan dealer is restoring, the boss has a 63 split window vet. An original 327 fuelie car, and the story goes just that, you know where this industry has gone and where we've gone as a society and what we think cars are you know electric cars. <laughs> um, come on, all right. He's restoring the boy. The boss, the owner of the dealership, drove this car to high school because his father, who was in charge of the dealership at the time, in the late 70s, took the 63 Corvette split window 327 fuelie car in on trade for a new Nissan. Maybe it was a Datsun at the time. I mean, who would trade in a Corvette for a Nissan? I, all right, the kid drove it to high school. You know, it was the used car. Dad, can I buy the used car? It was a couple of $3,000 at the time. It's now worth probably a quarter million. All right, 50 years later, that Nissan's long gone. And Tim's got the task of restoring this thing. So there, he sent me pictures of it. I'll show you, Mikey, um, after the show. But they've got pictures of it in the spray booth. This car is just so sexy. I mean, you look at this thing from the front, and you go, that's a 63. It's so far ahead of its time. Just the whole look and the shape and the, the flares and the bubbles and the, you know, you look at a new car today, and they all, they all just look alike. There's no, 
And there's no, and now we're going to get in cars that, you know what they're, you know they're going to sound like? They're going to sound like this. You know, where's a, all gone. I, please. So it's Mikey at the break. I'll show you the, I'll show you the 63. Let's take the garage doors open. I've bored everybody long enough with my rant. Let's go over and talk to Steve in Virginia. How are you today, Steve? What's going on? Oh, fine. Uh, and I think you're going to concur with the advice the dealer's given me. 115,600 miles, doing regular fluid changes, you know, exchanges. Yep. But they also recommend doing a water pump, possibly radiator hoses, radiator cap, and thermostat. And I think it's a good idea, but I wanted to run it by you. You know, Steve, I think it's a good idea because... You know, I, well, in your case, and I know Steve, right? I, I've, I've met Steve. Steve's come up to watch us do remotes. I've, I've had him at the shop. You're going to drive that car to 300,000 miles. Uh, maybe two. Okay. So, you know, for the price of a water pump hoses and a radiator cap, for the next 100,000 miles, you should have a fairly trouble-free cooling system short of needing a radiator. And, and that was my next question. And, you know, price out a radiator. If a radiator is $200... Uh, you know, the hoses are off, the the coolant's out, the water pump's out. You might as well pop a thermostat in it. And, oh, absolutely. And, you know, what are you going to spend? Seven, eight hundred dollars a thousand dollars a thousand dollars have trouble-free driving for another another hundred thousand miles? Um, yeah, and you know. If you overheat, and if you overheat, the engine's a history right, nowadays. Right, because that Honda, like so many Hondas, like so many cars today, everything's aluminum. And as it starts to gradually get hotter, I'll tell you a story, Stephen. I changed the radiator in my 2004 Suburban, and oh, just last year, and I weighed it. And the difference between the old one and the new one, and they were, you know, GM parts. I, I spent the money and I bought a GM piece for a GM piece. There was close to a pound and three quarters, maybe two pounds difference. And I take that as, and when I broke the old radiator open, there was all the white crud in the bottom. It was all the stuff that had built up over time. And I changed it because I was doing a, a transmission at the time, and I said 65, it had 60,000 miles on it. You know, it's, it's, it's 15 years old, the plastic gets brittle and so on. Um, you say to yourself, where and when, right? And, and, and how inconvenienced and what damage will it do? And now at least... You know, I have peace of mind. I'll take it to Cape Cod this summer and wherever. And so I agree. I I would do. You know what? If you're going to drive it another hundred thousand, and I know you will, uh, radiator hoses, water pump, thermostat, radiator cap, and a radiator, and you're good for a hundred grand. And it, you know, you're not likely to have any issues because you know it's it's been maintained. Nothing yeah. beats nothing beats maintenance, kiddo. Absolutely, positively. All right. Agree with you there. So. Um, and you're the guy, and you're the guy to prove it because we've known each other over the years. I know you're a long-term listener, and I know your cars go two, three, four hundred thousand miles. So uh, three, three so, is my record. Three, three is your and, number. And it, it, it took a lot of uh, parts to get there, too. You know, going from two fifty to three, or even two twenty-five to three. Right. So I'm thinking, you know, go to two and then give the car a good look. Right. And then maybe get rid of it and maybe keep it. And you never know what technology will be out there. By then, maybe it will be flying cars. And you can get to where you well, want to go faster. If I can comment on the electrics. Yeah. You know, for those who want to really maximize the mileage, the hybrid, I think, makes some sense. But, you know, uh, I've also read, with an all-electric, the overall emissions of, say, 
the manufacturing process with the lithium-ion batteries, but also the charging of them from the electric supply. There was a study said that even with a big modern power plant, you put out more emissions charging the battery than you would from a modern gasoline engine. And I think they're neglecting, uh, you know, this calculation out in the world. People are enamored with that electric, but they don't know all the ramifications. Well, and, and I tend to agree with you, Steve. I, I think that we're, we're, we're looking at it and saying, well, we're not using gas, but we're using something else, and it's created differently. And I, I think there's a lot to be said that electric is, is not the be-all, end-all, and the final answer. But we'll say, you know what? Unless, unless you're charging them with solar cells, and it would take a big array to do it. Well, and I've got to tell you, I don't get the whole solar cell thing, and I know we're off tangent here for a second, but, you know, we looked at putting solar on the rooftop at the house at home. And, I, you know, first when I started looking at this, I said, oh, well, you know, we'll get off the grid. We'll just charge the house. We'll, we'll run the house off of solar. And I found out. You're not using that solar energy. I'm just a collecting station. So I'm just collecting the solar off the roof of my house, and I'm pumping that electricity back to the electric company, and they give me a credit for the electricity they manufacture up to a certain point, and it lowers my cost. See, I don't understand that. Yeah. If, 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 so they still have to produce that to give it to me, but I'm producing it to give it back to them. Where's the logic there? So, you know, shouldn't it be that I produce my own electricity, they can produce less, or they can divert it to a different area such as electric cars so we don't need to produce more electricity to charge the incoming fleet? I don't know. I'm trying to be logical. I'll never make it in Congress or the White House. I just, you know, it's, it's, I'm just trying to make common sense. I'll never be a politician. Stephen, I always appreciate our conversation, sir. Uh, you keep on listening and keep on calling in, and thanks for being there. And thanks, as always, Ron. You're welcome, sir. You take good care. Have a good rest of the weekend. I'm Ron Anning, The Car Doctor. We're back right after this. For the best in car advice, give Ron a call. 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Hey, let's get on over to Tony in Florida, 19 Lincoln Continental. Tony, welcome to The Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? <laughs> You know, Ryan, you're wrong about I'm you're wrong about the solar energy. I'm sitting on the beach right now in Siesta Key, absorbing a ton of solar energy, <laughs> so, and I feel terrific. So that's where it all went. So um, yeah, yeah, all down here, <laughs> all down but there. They gave, I got a rental. I got a rental, a 2019 Lincoln Continental rental. Okay. It's only got 23,000 miles on it. Right. When you get on the highway with this thing, when you're merging onto traffic or giving it some gas, a terrible sulfur unburned fuel, whatever that smell is. And if you're on the high, even if not merging, when you're on the highway, if you want to go 70 to 80 to get around some guy, the car stinks like crazy. Really? Yeah. No, this is 23,000 miles in a 2019 Lincoln. The car rides beautifully. But it's just the smell gets you. Now, it stinks. Now, two questions, and the first one is, you sure you're not driving through New Jersey? Um, the second one is, <laughs> you, you know, you listen, I was born and raised in Jersey. That turnpike down through where the Linden, oh, whew, that's a whole other story. Um, is, is the heating ventilation set on recirculate, or are you pulling in outside air just out of curiosity? No, I got it on recirculate. Hmm. Yeah, that means, yeah. you know, and that's kind of weird because in recirculate mode, you would think it's coming from inside the car somewhere. Uh, yeah. 
you know, and I, I, you know, I don't have an answer for that one, Tony. I'd, I'd have to compare it to another 19 Lincoln to see does it does it still have that smell, which is what if it wasn't a rental and you were keeping this long term, I'd tell you to take it back to the dealer and say, hey, here's what I got. You know, compare it to something well, else. Is there is there an well, issue? I could live with it, but if I owned this car, I'd be pretty upset about it. Yeah, no, it's no, cars aren't cars aren't meant, problems with cars aren't meant to be lived with. Cars are a lifestyle. And right. you know, there's always there's always a resolution. Now, you know, a couple of years back, Ford had problems with some of the Explorers, where they were finding through the body vents in the rear, there were issues with exhaust fumes being pulled in under certain conditions, idling and certain speeds. But they corrected that, and uh, you know, as a matter of fact, I know they corrected it. I bought an, I bought a late model Explorer six months ago, so. Uh, you know, I haven't I haven't had that experience, and by now they corrected it. So, you know, unfortunately, in the in the in the world we live in, it's something like that. It'll just take enough of a problem if it's consistent on other vehicles that it will you know work its way up the ladder to engineering, right. and then they'll come up with a correction. And that correction could be an actual gee, we've got to add a flap, a door, an actuator, or something to the vehicle, or we've got to make a software change. And, right. and, you know, right. and, and software just does everything. I'll tell you a real quick software story, Tony. So I had a 2007 Yukon Denali came into the shop this week from a shop around the corner. They had put a battery in the car. It had a dead battery. They put a battery in the car, and the clock wouldn't set on the navigation display. So I'm looking at it, and they, they thought it was a programming issue or, you know, something got lost. Did a software flash have to be done? And it was very strange when you when you turn on the start the car up. It's the clock sits the time sits right in the middle of the of the heads up display. So I couldn't find anything. There was no programming changes to be made. There was no bulletins, no notices. So I did a little more research and I found the GM secret bulletin. So if you own a 07 Yukon Denali or something of that vintage. You need to know that if you ever lose the clock, the secret is, are you ready for this? And this just goes to show you the power of software. You take your finger, you take your index finger, and hold it down tightly in the bottom left corner of the screen. There's no button. There's no mark there. This is like finding the you know, the, the prisoner of Zendora or whatever it is, the kid's game. Yeah. Um, you hold your finger down on the bottom left corner of the navigation screen for 15 to 30 seconds, and magically another screen pops up. And from that screen, you enter in a passcode, 292-655, and, and they're all the same. So I don't know, you know, it's like we're guarding the Norton bomb site with this software, yeah. okay? It's like, it's such a big deal. When you get through, so you get through the first screen, the second screen, you scroll over one page, and there it is, set clock. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Who thought this up? Who thought you this know, up? On this, on this car, I got an alert on the dashboard. Tire pressure monitor fault. Now, to me, that the, the tire pressure monitor has a fault in it. Shouldn't it say you need the tire pressure, you know, one of your tires is low. Right. And I put air in all the tires, and it's still, but it's, it's very, it was confusing. Like, tire pressure monitor fault. Well, you know, that's why, the, that's why the, did they word it like that? Politically correct. They don't want to offend anybody. All right. Smoke, See, yeah. now, if I wrote that, the first would be, you need air in the tires. The second would yeah. be, pull over, you need air in the tires. The third would be, hey, dummy, you're about to get a flat. Like, it's not hard to figure out. Uh, y- y- you know, it's... You know, I've been, 
I've been listening to you for quite a while, and the best story you ever had was when you took that tire pressure monitor, threw it in a garbage can, and the, uh, and, the and it kept setting off the uh, the code that it was. He had a problem; he had to take it home. Right, the bad one. Right. Story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Duplicate. I tell duplicate that story to everybody. Serial and number. They get the biggest kick out of that. Yeah. That is, of course, that's the government helping us. Right. Well, course, and that's. I I took care of my own t- uh, tire pressure with a little stick gauge. You know, and my tires were fine. I don't know if you heard at the beginning of the last hour I was talking about the, or somewhere in the last hour I was talking about the 07 Hyundai with the anti-lock brake controller that needed to be replaced for eleven hundred dollars. The the backside of that story is if if the 07 Hyundai had ABS and electronic stability control, that hydraulic control unit is thirty five hundred bucks. Oh my god! So who who is going to spend? 3500 on a part, probably another 500 So $4,000 to put hydraulic, you know, anti-lock brakes back into a car that has a book value of two grand. And, Unbelievable. And, and, and that's what they're after, okay? To a large degree, they're, they're just, you know, you buy a new car, you earn the privilege of throwing it away one piece at a time, and then it gets to a point where it's just not worth anything. Just, it's, it's, it's you know, it, what's it worth? So well, maybe congressmen, maybe congressmen are starting to run these auto parts, these auto companies. Who knows? I don't well, know our congressmen don't make any sense. Yeah, it's a lot of it. Yeah, I don't want to get up, I don't want to get up on a tangent. I want to enjoy my vacation. And thanks, thanks to you and Tom Ray. You guys have a great show. Love you guys. Thank you, Tony. We appreciate that. And I, you, you take good care. You know, I just, I just, Mikey, I just realized, Tom, Tom, you know who that was? That was Officer Tony from the Chicago PD. That was Tony Emilio from Chicago. He's down in Florida soaking up all the sun. Yeah, we haven't heard from him in a long time. All right, yeah, and no wonder it's cloudy here in, in New Jersey. It's he's, All the sun's down there trying to encompass his his being. Yeah, well, so, same thing. He's, oh. It's cloudy, up, cloudy and uh, windy in Chicago because he's not there. Right, because oh, he's the ray of sunshine. Uh, let me ask you something, Tom. Your last name is Ray. Are you the ray of sunshine in your house? Okay, stop. I got to go to break. I, 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 I come here. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, well, because <laughs> she wants to get rid of you for an hour or two. I'm Ron Anany in the car, Doctor. Whew. Boy, there's a lot going on today. I'm Ron Anany in the car, Doctor. I think I am. Let me look at my T-shirt. Yep, that's me. 855-560-9900. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Running the end of the car, doctor rolling along at eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Let's get over to Ray in Maine. A Ray in Maine, the Ray of Maine. There you go. Um, Ten Subaru and some stalling issues. What's going on, Ray? How can I help? Hey, Ron. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome, uh, Ron. I got a, uh, a twenty ten Subaru Legacy. It actually belongs to my daughter, but uh, quite often when she's uh, like going on on her way to school, she'll come to a stop sign or stoplight, and the car will just stall. Okay. And then she'll put it in park or neutral, and it'll start right up, and she can go right off. And it doesn't happen all the time, but it's, uh, you know, probably half a dozen times a month. How many miles on the car, Ray? Uh, there's 147 on it right now. All right. And this is an, this is an automatic? Yes, it is. All right. Got that CVT. Any, any dashboard warning lights on or any 
anything else peculiar in the way the car operates? No, no. Um, I have a uh, scan tool. Granted, it's an older one, but uh, it doesn't. There's no codes or anything that I'm aware of. Okay. Has anybody looked at it or tried to fix it? Uh, Any work on it no. yet? No. Okay. So you know, last time the throttle body was cleaned, you think? Ever? Uh, unless it was done with a previous owner, I wouldn't know. Okay. So so you know how. How long have you had it for? How many miles? Mm, we purchased it about 130,000. It's got 147 on it now. About two years old. Okay. We had it. Okay. So, you know, naturally the first thing I want to I talk about is, you know, cleaning the throttle body. Just doing the throttle body service. You, 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 do you know what I'm talking about? Throttle yeah. body cleaning? Um, you know, cleaning the area between the throttle plate and the housing? Okay. All right. And, you know, just how dirty is it? All right, you know it's it's got to be clean. You know we we get in there with a with a shop cloth, um, some correct chemical solvent, and you know clean the interior surface and just you know between the plate and the housing and the housing and just make sure it's clean. That's step one. Step two, when that when and if that doesn't work, and if it doesn't work, it's just good normal maintenance anyway. Because what'll happen is if a throttle body or a throttle housing is dirty and there's enough carbon on the blade, eventually the carbon will start to impact the housing and it's made out of aluminum, it's soft, and it'll expand that opening. So now you're changing airflow rate against the vehicle when it is at idle, when everything else is fixed. So, you know, throttle body cleaning is normal maintenance now. So enough. That's that's that. What this could be, and here's, here's the trick, the next time, does it die clean, do you think, Ray, like bang? Or do you think she has like a sense it's about to happen and then it happens? No, I think it just it just happens all of a sudden when she comes to a stop, it just will just die. Has it happened on you yet? It has not happened on me. Okay. Because this could be a torque converter issue in the trans that it's sticking. Mm. All right? So in other words, you know, back in the day you've driven a stick car, right? Yeah. So, you know, you pull up to a traffic light with a stick. If you don't push in the clutch, what happens? Boom, it stalls. Right. So, so inside of the modern torque converter, the modern torque converter, the part of the automatic transmission, there's, there's a clutch. There's a hydraulic clutch circuit that releases. And if that doesn't release, boom, it stalls. So what you want to do is get, get your hands on Subaru Bulletin 16-90-30R. And, you know, they've, they've had a change in the design of the lockup torque converter. That's the first one. And then also take a look at 1690-13R. All right? And, you know, that talks also about the change in the torque converter design. But unfortunately, you know, there's no software or magic pill that's going to be changed the torque converter. All right? Which now I've got a car with 140,000 miles on it. It's nine years old. Do I want to take it apart and do a torque converter, or do I want to put a trans in it? Right. Very costly. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, very costly. I think the trans is seven grand. Uh, the you know by the time you're done, it's 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 eight grand. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's and that's the problem. Now now here's the issue. So you do just the converter. You take the old converter out. You put the new converter in. It's going into an environment of an older trans with, you know, how dirty or clean is the fluid, what sort of particulate, you know, what kind of microscopic grit, if you will, is floating around in the fluid in that trans. 
And what are you going to do to that new converter? How long before the problem reappears? Right. You know, it's funny. This week's theme at the shop, I seem to be running. You know, Susie said, how was your week? And I said, I seem to run into all these older cars that were made, in my opinion, cheaply. And now we're down to the point of having to repair them. And the price to repair everything well exceeds the value of the car. And she turned to me and she said, well, maybe the manufacturers heard you talking about how it's cheaper to keep them. I said, well, which kind of surprised me because I think my wife listened to the show because every time I say it's cheaper to keep her, she knows I'm kidding about, you know, it's cheaper to keep the wife and the car together because it's cheaper to keep her. But maybe it's not anymore. You know, it's eight grand, nine grand to put a trans in a Subaru. You might as well go get another Subaru. Yeah. Um, the, the, the one thing your daughter could try, if she, if, or you could try, if you, can, if you can catch this in the act, is, and you'll have to explain it to her, is if it feels like the car is going to stall, pop it into neutral. Mm-hmm. Pulling up to the stop sign. Uh, you know, that's, that's the trick. Because if you, can, if you can learn that, you know, neutral switch, so to speak, and it eliminates the stalling, a, I wouldn't recommend you drive like that forever. It seems like a little unsafe. It's You've really got to be aware every time you pull up, and I'm sure your daughter, she's a newer driver. We don't need to make her a nervous wreck before she has kids in the back of the car yelling and screaming when she's married. Um, um, you know, but it, it is it is one way to test it, but it is a short-term solution if you're going to, you know, debate, do I fix this or do I replace it? So... Um, but it's it's going to be likely between one of those two, either throttle body cleanliness, which I hope for your sake, or it's very common for it to be a torque converter issue. Okay. All right. All right. And and the other problem becomes, it could have the most perfect trans fluid in the world. It could be you know blessed by the Pope, and it came down off the mountaintop, putting the transmission absolutely spotlessly clean. You put a torque converter in it, it's still a nine-year-old transmission with 140,000 miles on it. Uh, you know, and it's they just don't have a lot of durability, but it is it is the inexpensive or the more inexpensive try. All right, sir. Okay. Well, thanks for the information. You're welcome. I'm sorry, I couldn't have been better news for you, but um, you know, I got to I got to tell you what the deal is. So, right, thank you, Ron. You're very welcome, Ray. You take good care. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, you know, we're seeing a shift. I think the manufacturers. I don't know. I think it's a plot somewhere. That the manufacturers kind of know, you know, well, we'll boost car sales. We'll just make a car that in 10 years is so ridiculous to fix. Who would want to fix it? Uh, well, let's see. If it was 1964 and they were all 55 Chevys, they could all put them at my house. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anning, The Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Don't call us. That's right. If you call and we're not live, you can leave a message and we'll call you back to get you on the air with Ron. 855-560-9900. Speaking of Ron, here he is. Let's go over to Bob in Phillipsburg. Bob, welcome back, sir. How's things down there in New Jersey today? Oh, it's great. Uh, you know, they would put you and me in a, in a room. We would have almost 100 years worth of experience. Right. But Makes the, you feel young. But the thing is, we'd, we'd be so old, we would have forgotten half of it by now. Um, yeah. Which is the other part. All right. So. 2008 Audi A3. It's got the 3.2 uh, VR6 in it, DSG transmission, and it's all-wheel drive. And uh, you take it out on the expressway and uh, for about 10, 15 minutes and go above 60 mile an hour and just barely touch the, the gas pedal. You get this wine coming out of it. 
And it doesn't sound rotational because it doesn't get any louder. It doesn't change in pitch with road speed. And uh, I've gone around to different places and asked them about it. And, of course, I get a blank stare. And they have a uh, pump that operates the uh, the rear. And I wanted to know if there's any kind of uh, 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 tool out there that could bi-directional operate this pump and see if this is where the noise is coming from. Well, if, if there is, Bob, the only thing I could think of is obviously it's going to be dealer level. That's one. Uh, the only other place I would look, and unfortunately this is how it has to be because it's not every scan tool is going to tell you. It's such it's it, it's sort of an obscure function or an, an obscure request. It's not something so mainstream. You know, have to start looking uh-huh. at some of the on some of the other tools out there. Launch maybe, Snap on maybe, but without knowing exactly, I can tell you if, if if there's a way to do it, the dealer level tool would do it. If the dealer level tool doesn't do it, then no, there's no way to test it. So why right. can't why couldn't the car be put up in the air, driven on a lift at forty miles an hour, and listen to see if the noise is there? Well, this is what uh, you know because I'm not you know too familiar with it though. But uh, you know, as long as it doesn't break anything, that's my biggest fear. Well, you know, what's you know, well, okay. So let's 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 back up a second. Is this this is this is the pump you're talking about for fluid into the rear differential, the rear axle? Correct. That's the, I, and uh, what impression that I get is, is that's a transfer case in a sense. Correct. A, they call it a halodex. It's got, you know, it's got its own pump and, and, and fluid. It's not the final drive fluid. It's it's a high. It's a wet clutch assembly. Right. And I don't think they is. Uh, you know, I I could be wrong, but I don't believe they call for that fluid to be replaced. Do they? Well, I've had it replaced. Okay. I've, I've had, you know, the the filter and everything else. And I've had all the fluids changed, and of course, there was no contamination or okay. or anything, especially in a, in a final drive. Right. Then it, it almost sounds like a you know how a fuel pump starts getting noisy. You know, it's got that. It's like a tire noise. It's like a whine, and right. it's constant. Well, let's 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 back up and look at it like this. Let's let's say it is the pump. Let's say it's something in that final drive. Uh huh. You know, why don't we find out what the cost is to rebuild it, and then we can decide how deep do we want to get. And I'm and I'm being serious. You know, if it starts to change in pitch, if it starts to get louder, if it starts to become more noticeable, then right. maybe you could justify spending whatever it takes to fix. But you know, yeah. if, it, if it's going to sound like that at a consistent level for the next four years, and it's five grand to repair, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a little noisy, does it? Well, the uh, pump itself is serviceable. Uh, right. They have a replacement. It's like four hundred bucks my cost. Okay. You know, and I'm saying, well, do I just throw? You know, but you know, if there was a way that I could find out what kind of a signal that they put into this uh, pump. Uh, well, they're they're probably doing a a, a duty cycle or a pulse to ground modulation type of um, signal to it to you know cause the pump to you know build pressure and so on. But yeah. listen, so th- this becomes one of two things: you're either going to find somebody that's got dealer level scan tool, which is twenty grand, all right, or you're going to go out uh-huh. and buy a dealer level scan tool, which is twenty grand. Or, yeah, that's or, true. Or yeah. or you're going to take a gamble and spend four hundred dollars on a pump. How many miles are on the car? 
105,000. Okay. So you're going to you're going to spend $400 on the car on a pump and 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 try swapping it in and see if it makes any difference and if it doesn't, you know what it's not, but you found out cheaper than by buying a scan tool. And, yeah. You know, okay. you're, you're starting to make sense uh, and I was thinking of that, but you know because that little word that you've uh, put in my brain, diagnose, diagnose, diagnose. No, I know. Listen, I've got, you know, I've been talking about it all show this week. i got an 07 Tiburon that needs an ABS control unit from, from Hyundai. It's $1,100, $1,200. I found a, I've got my used car, my used parts guy looking for one. He thinks we can find one out there for 300 You know, for 300 bucks. Mm-hmm. And my, uh-huh. my diagnosis is 95% there, and the missing 5% is because I can't get correct information out of the manufacturer. For 300 bucks, I'll plug it in electronically without even bleeding anything and see if it fixes it. If it doesn't, I know where to look next. If it does, my problems are over, and I did it cheaper than hooking up $40,000 worth of test equipment and spending two yeah. days. And, you know, sometimes the end doesn't justify the means anymore. It's it's getting right. to be too costly to try and go through the entire car. So uh, sometimes it's it's a gut call because you'll exceed the value of the vehicle. The the ABS control unit already exceeds almost already exceeds the value of the vehicle. Um, oh sure. And and that's the that's the problem with the electronics today. Bob, I gotta go. I'm up yeah. against the clock. Try that. You got any more questions? You know where to find me. All right, sir. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. You take good care, and it's good to hear your voice. Ron and Andy, the car doctor here. We'll be back right after this, 855-560-9900. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. You know, I wrote my own acronym now for Subaru. Tom, I just want you to know, Subaru, sadly, usually broken and really underpowered. So we'll have to keep that and add that to the dictionary. I'm working my way through the line of vehicle manufacturers. And in New York, you're on with the car doctor. What can I do for you in my last two minutes? Hi, Ron. Yes, sir. This past week, I had the fun of driving through the northeast snow, sleet, ice storm that we had. And uh, over the course of the nine-hour drive, I had to stop every hour and pull off of I- I-80 because I was having about a quarter inch of ice buildup on the front headlights, the side mirrors, and the perimeter of the front windshield, which the interior heater couldn't melt. Um, my question is, is there any type of fluid or fluid-like film that you can apply to the headlights and to the windshield to prevent ice buildup when you're driving in a snow or storm? You know, Eddie, it's a good question. I, I've i never had that as a question before. I think that's something to be invented if it isn't already. I would, you know... I would think about, and obviously waxing headlights has to help because if we make the surface more slippery, it might keep the moisture off of it. I'm surprised that with the headlights on, although I know how bad that ice storm was, I'm in the Northeast also, I'm, I'm surprised that it didn't melt what was ever whatever was on the headlights themselves. Um, but as far as the mirrors and stuff, the mirrors, I would try waxing everything just, just, just for the heck of it. All right, wax the, wax the glass of the mirrors, heavy coat of wax on the headlights. You don't have to polish them. Just get a coat of wax on, let it dry, wipe it off, do it again. See if that makes a difference. Maybe it'll become so slippery that the, 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 the moisture will just wick away. Uh, without moisture and you can't let it build up, it, it, you know, it has to go somewhere. Um, but, yeah, it's a good question. You know what, Eddie? You know what to think about inventing something like that. We'll, uh, we'll collaborate. Hey, looking up at the clock, it's time to go. I'm Ron Anie and the Car Doctor reminding you, it's good mechanics are inexpensive. They're priceless. See you.